Hello, Pennington AG. My name is Rachel John, and I'm so excited to be sharing from God's Word this morning. Um, I normally serve on worship here at Pennington, but I'm excited to be sharing from um, this sermon series as we go through the book of James. We've been in chapters one and two for the last two weeks, and so before we dive into chapter three together, um, let's recap really quickly what God's been saying to us from chapters one and two. And so in chapter one of James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes in his letter to believers everywhere and reminds us what wholehearted Christian living looks like. His primary point in his book is that Christian living isn't just being known as Christians, but actually living like Christians, living in the ways that Jesus taught us to. He reminds us that suffering in whatever form it can take um, can actually bring us closer to God and helps us to know him more deeply. James reminds followers of Jesus that we shouldn't simply just listen to God's word or just read it, but actually that our lives should do what God's word says and tells us to do. James remind us, reminds us that Christian living means that we love God and we love others really well. And James builds on this in chapter two, and he reminds us that Love is given freely and it's given sacrificially. He reminds us that as followers of Jesus, we don't love people or do things for people. We don't serve thinking about what we can benefit from that situation, but rather we do it even if it's a sacrifice for us. We do this because we have been transformed by Jesus, right? It's not about us. It's because of what Jesus has done in us and for us. And so James remind, reminds us that as people of faith, we must put our faith into action. We can't just be people who say, yeah, we're Christians, but we must live like it, following the example of Jesus. And so now we come to James chapter three. And I have to be honest with you, when I heard that I was gonna be speaking from James three, it was kind of like, oi, I don't know what I'm gonna say out of James three. I need to hear James three be uh, transformed by James three. Um, and this is especially true when I'm driving. I learned to drive in Jersey, but I drive mostly in Philly now. Um, and people in Philly, you can be going 80 down the freeway and they will come out of nowhere, cut in front of you and be going 60 miles an hour. And when this happens, I feel some type of way. Um, it gets a lot of emotion going in me. I have a lot of choice words that I would maybe wanna say, but I know because my mom is sitting in the car, probably shouldn't. Um, and so I need to hear James 3 as much as I'm speaking from it today. And so friends, we are on this ride together and I'm excited for how God is going to meet us as a community in his word together um, as we all encounter Jesus together in his word. So for our time today, we'll be in James chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 to 12. Um, let me read it for us here. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will also be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. 
And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse the people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you meet us in your word, that you speak to us. Uh, God, we thank you that you have a word for us here. Um, would you speak um, with the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight? Um, God, would you meet us in this space? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And so throughout the book of James, the author makes his appeal to followers of Jesus spread out all over the known world to not just simply have the title of being a Christian, right, but to actually live like it. And so with living like a Christian comes speaking like a Christian. We both walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, and it's not just any old walk or any old talk, but it's actually that we walk in the way that Jesus walked and we speak the way that Jesus speaks spoke. Um, James starts off by telling us that the tongue, though it's really small, it has a great deal of power. In verse 5, he writes, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And so this little itty bitty pinkish thing in our mouths, right, it holds so much power. And in this passage, James compares it to a bit that's put in the mouth of a horse or a rudder that controls a ship. Um, and so these things are so small in comparison to what they control. The, they control these huge, massive things, a horse or a ship, whether it's a small boat or a super yacht controlled by a tiny rudder. Um, and if these tiny things have so much power over the things which they control, then we can see that the tongue also has great power. Um, but maybe these like analogies don't hit it for you. Um, let me bring it a little bit closer for what we've seen and what we've lived in over the course of the last year. Last year, a wildfire raged through Southern California. It was called the El Dorado Wildfire. And from September 5th to November 16th, this fire burned. It burned for over two months and spread over 22,000 acres of land. It destroyed homes, other property, um, and it even caused the death of firefighter Charles Morton. And there were other firefighters who were severely injured. But for two months and, tw and over the span of 22,000 acres of land, this fire raged and burned. And what it was caused by was something so small. It was a spark from a smoke bomb um, from a gender reveal party. And that was it. It was this tiny little spark that caused this huge, massive fire that caused so much damage, cost someone their life, um, so much property des destroyed, lives lost, resources that were used to fight this fire. And it starts from this one tiny thing, this spark. And in James chapters, chapter three, verses five and six, it, that's what it relates this to. Um, James says, how can such a great forest be set ablaze by such a small fire? And then he goes on to say that the tongue is a fire. And so let's take a minute here. 
What are the words that maybe you've said in the last 24 hours? Whether it was to your spouse, whether it was to your children, or maybe if you're a child to a parent, um, or even the words that were said under your breath. What were the words that you said? How much power do you think that those words have? Let's just take a minute and we'll reflect. And so we have to understand that our words have so much power. Um, if this tiny spark could do such damage, then what about our words? And if we look back in our own lives, I'm sure we can think about maybe a silly joke that someone made, but that had such great impact on us, whether it hurt us, or maybe there was a word of encouragement that someone said, and, and it was maybe a really small thing, like, hey, you did this really well. And it changed maybe the course of your life, the career path that you chose to go into. And so if this one tiny thing can have such an impact, we have to understand that, like James says in James 3 here, that the tongue, though it is small, it has a huge impact. But what I really, really love about James in James chapter 3 is that he actually is so honest. James doesn't say, hey, if you work really, really, really hard at it, you can tame your tongue. You can keep yourself from cursing people out or doing X, Y, and Z with your mouth or saying things that would hurt people. If you work really hard at it, maybe, just maybe you'll get it. That's not what James says. And he doesn't say, if you wash your mouth out with soap enough, like, hey, you'll get it. It'll be fine. I've never had it done to me, but sounds pretty gross. Um, and thankfully, like that's not it. James says in verses seven and eight, right? He says it super plain and simple for us. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I'm grateful for his honesty here that the truth is we can't tame the tongue. Um, we can't make it bend to our will. But although we can't tame the tongue, friends, we can bring it under the submission of Jesus. And we can give it to someone who's a lot stronger and a lot more capable than we are. The one who transforms us, the one who changes us and molds us and shape us, shapes us, we can surrender it to his will. And so we don't need to do this on our own. We don't need to try to pull the reins on our tongues by ourselves. We can look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But how, how do we do this? Over the next few verses, James walks through what life and speech shouldn't look like for those who call themselves followers of Jesus. James goes on to say in verses 9 and 10, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. They shouldn't be. They can't be so. Um, as someone who serves on worship, I always read this verse and I'm like, and I think about the song, Oh Praise the Name. Um, I can't come into church and lead or sing, Oh Praise the Name of the Lord our, our God, Oh Praise His Name forevermore. When right before I walked into church, I was yelling at so-and-so for doing X, Y, and Z, or I had thoughts about someone that didn't honor the way that they were made in the image and likeness of God. Let's think about the course of this past year. We stood in a year that divided us from our brothers and sisters, whether it was because of the virus or because of politics or because of how we viewed human life, like whatever it could have been, we stood on opposing aisles on so many different things. And in all of those spaces, let's be honest, we used our tongues in ways that dishonored the way that people were created in the image and likeness of God. 
We allowed our own opinions, our thoughts about certain things to take priority over how God sees, not only sees, but how God created his people in his image and likeness. And we cannot live a duplicitous life, right? We can't say that we love God and we love people when with the same tongue that is in our mouth, we praise God and we curse the people that God has made. And what does that look like for us? Maybe it's because of hard relationships in our family that we're like, you know what, I'm done. I can't deal with this anymore. Let bygones be bygones. And we're like, that's it. I'm not, I'm not in this space anymore. Or it's because of the things that are going on in the world around us that we're just like, you know what, this is it. This person is not worth my time. There, there are probably other things that we have to say about certain people, let's be honest. Or even about our government and, and the way that certain political systems are set up. But that's not what God invites us to do. Actually, the invitation for us is to praise God and to pray and intercede for those around us. And so God invites us to come out of duplicitous double living and to live in a way that honors God and honors the people that God has made in his image and likeness. And it's when we forget that all men and women have been made in the image and likeness of God that we think it's okay for us to step into a posture where we can praise God and curse men that have been made in the image and likeness of God. This is something that we need to remember as followers of Jesus, that we are called to love God and to love God's people. And so the, the second part of this section brings us into something that's a little bit deeper, right? In verses 11 and 12, James hits on something when he says, as a spring pour out, uh, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And it's almost as though James is saying here, hey, it's not just what comes out of your mouth. It's actually what's in you that's the problem. What's coming out of your mouth is coming out of your mouth because of what's inside of you. And so the problem isn't just what's coming out. It's actually what you're rooted in. Um, and so why would James come to this conclusion, right? Why would this be the point that he tries to make? We have to remember that James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was around for Jesus's ministry. He heard the things that Jesus said. And so one time when Jesus was being questioned by the teachers of the law about why his disciples would eat without like washing their hands, um, Jesus says to them, it's not what goes into someone's mouth that defiles them, but rather what comes out of their mouth that defiles them. And furthermore, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it is out of the abundance of the heart that a man's mouth speaks. It's because of what's in us that we say the things that we say. And so in what we were just talking about, right, like the way that we see that the men and women that have been created in the image and likeness of God, what's actually in us that we believe to be true about them that would cause us to curse them? What's actually in us that when we see our brother and sister maybe excel at something, is it the envy and jealousy that is inside of us that causes us to be like, oh, that was okay, you didn't really do such a great job? Or is it um, bitterness inside of us from experiences past that we continually come to the same things over and over again, telling ourselves that we are worthless and nothing and not meant to have anything good because that's just who we are. So what is inside of us? 
because the reality is that Jesus didn't come to just like whitewash us and make us look pretty on the outside. Jesus came to do a deep work inside of us and to transform us and change us from the inside out. And so if it's what's in us that mainly controls what comes out of our mouth, we can submit to the will of God and ask Jesus to transform us. We can come to God and say like David did in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And David goes on to plead to God. He says, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And he says here, restore unto me the joy, not of my salvation, not of anything that I have done, but he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And friends, when we are restored by the joy of the salvation that comes from Jesus, we are truly transformed. And it changes how we see ourselves, how we see the people that have been created by God for God. And that truly transforms and changes us. And so we, so we know that we can't tame our tongues on our own because it's not possible. No one's done it. But we can submit it to the authority and the rule of Jesus. And we do that, one, by stepping away from duplicitous living. We don't live double lives, right? We live the way that Jesus has called us to. We don't ha put on a mask and hide one side of living and show a good side to other people, but rather we live in integrity and we live real in front of everyone. And the second thing is that we begin to understand what's inside of us, knowing that it's not just what comes, uh, that what comes out of our mouth is because of what's inside of us. And so we ask God to root us and to transform us and to change us. And the last thing that I wanna leave for us as we begin to look at what it means for us to submit our tongues to Jesus is that we draw near to Jesus. We come near to him knowing that he is the one who's able to change and make us and shape us. And in Proverbs, uh, Solomon writes saying that the tongue has the power of life and of death, right? With, with the words that you say, you can build someone up. Take a moment, think down memory lane. I'm sure you can remember people who have built you up, who have said like, hey, you're doing great, or have told you that you're worth something. And I'm sure that right on the flip side of that, you can remember people who told you the exact opposite of that. And so we can understand even from our own experiences what the power of words are. And what we have to understand for ourselves is that the same experiences that we've gone through, we can do to other people. We can either tear them down or we can build them up. We can invite people to see Jesus rightly for who he is, or we can cast a vision of Jesus that is nothing like who he is. I grew up in the millennial generation right at the end, or end of it, beginning of Gen Z. And when I talked to so many of my friends who grew up in church but no longer want anything to do with Jesus, so much of it is because they've heard speech from Christians that looks nothing like what Jesus would look like. They've seen life lived by Christians that looks nothing like what Jesus would live like. And so for us, when we draw near to Jesus, when we draw near to him, he's a God that draws near to us. And the closer that we get to Jesus, the more we become transformed, the more that we be begin to look like him. In our character, in our nature, in our speech, the things that we say. I have a friend, Mariah, we met in our first year of college. And what strikes me about Mariah is that no matter how frustrated she gets, 
You'll never see her with like a frown on her face and with a bad thing to say about someone. Um, she will always smile through whatever pain she's going through and she will only have words that will encourage you um, and will draw you closer to Jesus. And that's why I'm so grateful that she's one of my best friends because she continually points me to Jesus and to look more like him. And I wish that our world was filled with more people like Mariah that would talk the way that Jesus talked, that would live the way that Jesus lived. Why? Not so that the world is a better place. Yes, it's true. But so that people can see what Jesus looked like. So that people can know that the Jesus that we talk about, he's not just some fairy tale, but rather he is a God that deeply loves his people. He didn't love thinking that he would get something out of it, but rather emptied himself. Why? So that we could know him truly and wholly. And so friends, the way that we speak impacts how people see Jesus. And when we draw near to Jesus, we begin to look more and more like him. And so what do we do? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, uh, Paul writes saying, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit to those who listen to you. And so that's what we do. We ask God to change us and mold us and shape us so that our talk would be wholesome, that it would bring encouragement, that it would build up those who listen to it. And like we said earlier, right, James said it so plainly for us, we can't tame the tongue. We have to bring it to submission to Jesus. We have to ask Jesus to do his work in us and on our tongues so that we say things that would build and not tear down. And the psalmist puts it so well in Psalm 141 verse three, he says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why? So that I don't say something that would uh, take away from the glory of God, that would hurt my brothers and sisters, and that would take away from how uh, people in the world see Jesus. And so if you are a follower of Jesus listening to this, I want to invite you to take a quick uh, survey of the words that you've said again over the last 24 hours. Were they words that built people up or did they tear people down? Were they words that brought glory to God or did they ultimately uh, show the world a disjointed picture of who Jesus is and what his church should look like? They could be the words that you said to someone, whether it's your spouse, your child, someone on the road, a cashier, a stop and shop, or even the words that you said under your breath. What were they and what power did they have? Remember, uh, uh, the tongue is like a, a small fire that can set ablaze an entire forest. And as much damage as the tongue can do, it can do just the same in building someone up and encouraging them and drawing them closer to Jesus. So my invitation for you, Christian, is that you would bring your tongue under your submission to Jesus, that you would surrender it to him. I need to do that. I'm asking God to shape that and change that in me, that the words that I say would bring glory to God. And if you have been hurt by the words of someone else, right, let's surrender that to Jesus too. Knowing that he's able to shape and transform us, take the hurt and the pain that we feel, and he's able to bring something beautiful out of it. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're hearing this, if we have put on a front and that has shown you a Jesus different from the Jesus of the Bible, 
want to invite you to come and investigate Jesus for who he truly is and who he says he is. Come be in a community that longs to look like Jesus and talk like Jesus and see him for who he truly is because what Jesus has to say to you is so much better and of so much more value than what anyone else could say. And what Jesus longs for you to know is that you are deeply loved by him, that you are valued and that you are treasured that he gave himself up fully so that you would know him and live in real and true and honest relationship with him. And that's the invitation for all of us in this room, that we would know him truly for who he is, and that because we know him, we would be transformed by him in our living and in our speech. So friends, let me pray uh, for us. Um, if you are not a follower of Jesus and you want to make a decision today to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord, and to explore what this new and different life with Jesus is like, uh, feel free to pray with me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the savior of the world, that you didn't come to this world expecting something in return, but that you came giving yourself wholly, sacrificially, truly, so that we who are separated from you because of our sin could come to know you wholly, truly. And so, God, we ask that you would take our tongues, Lord, God, whatever there is in us, the things that are rooted inside of us that cause us to not see um, our brothers and sisters who are created in the image and likeness of God the way that they're created, or that cause us to have bitterness or envy, Lord, whatever that could be, God, would you strip those things from us? Would you transform us and change us so that we can look more like you, Jesus? And God, we ask that you would um, do a work inside of us, Lord, so that we can see you for who you truly are. Jesus, thank you that you came so that we could have life and life in abundance, new life, Jesus. And so, God, we thank you for the gift of your son and the gift of the cross. And Lord, we say yes and amen to who you are and what you've done in us. We ask that you would continue to transform us. And in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for Pennington HE Online this morning. We hope to see you soon.